Safaricom's entry into Ethiopia. What does this mean for the economy and the fintech space? Bank Tuwala transfer fees reinstated in Kenya and the United Nations Trade Body calling for firm interventions to address the debt crisis. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. Your main story is brought to you by INM Bank PLC, INM Bank Rwanda. We are on your side. In 2021, as part of plans to revamp, the telecom sector Ethiopia issued a tender to award two licenses to private telecommunication operators. One license was awarded to a consortium led by Safaricom, which offered $850 million and promised to invest $8.5 million over the next 10 years. Zemadene Negatu, Chairman Fairfax Africa Fund, is on the podcast today to elaborate on the impact Safaricom's entry has on the Ethiopian economy. One of the most exciting things about working in emerging markets, investing in doing business in markets, is these kinds of really game changers. You see it live. I mean, I, I grew up in the U.S. where you simply cannot imagine this kind of thing happening because it's just a highly developed economy. You go to Europe. I spent many years doing investment banking, M&A work in Latin America. Even then, to a certain extent, you don't really see this. When you come to Africa, and then more, more specifically, when, when you come to Ethiopia, you see banking sector reforms, foreign banks entering first time, telecoms. I mean, the telecom sector, let me, let me give you a perspective. It was closed off to uh, anyone but the government for 126 years. Okay, telecom telephone was introduced in Ethiopia over 125, 26 years ago. So for the whole period, it was just the government who run the one and only telecom company in, the, in Ethiopia called Ethiopia Telecom. So that by itself gives you, uh, the word game changer is sometimes overused, but it certainly is a game changer what happened last year uh, when the government decided to open it up. Okay, so 126 years, boom, now it's opening. And then... Uh, which is really interesting. The company that came in and won the license is uh, majority owned by Safaricom. This is a Kenyan company. So uh, obviously Safaricom is owned by Vodacom, Vodafone and all that. But really, when you think about it, the consortium they put together is actually owned a Kenyan company, which is a Safaricom, which is fantastic because Ethiopian Kenyan neighbors, they're big trading partners. So it also has uh, an African, intra-Africa FDI dimension, which we rarely see in this level at the scale. Usually when you see 850 million being paid for an FDI deal in Africa, it's usually big multinationals from, from the West and somewhere else. So that, which is what Safaricom Consortium paid for the license, 850 million. On top of that, they've, prom- they've committed to invest $10 billion over the next 10 years. I mean, these are really big numbers. So that I think is also pretty exciting. It's really um, an interesting dynamics that you see in play by Africans investing in Africa. Okay, so the telecom sector now is is changing dramatically. Safaricom has already started operations. They're now providing services in some of, several of the major cities uh, in Ethiopia. And um, interesting thing is, by hope, I think next year, maybe this time next year, uh, we will also expect another new entrant uh, because. The government is proposing to sell two licenses, two new licenses. One, Safaricom already got. A second one, which actually last year, MTN also bid 
But the government thought the offer they received from MTN, which is about $600 million, thought they thought it was too low. So they're going to retender that. So there'll be another operator, a new one, when this thing is retendered. The other component is the government is intending to sell 40% equity in Ethio Telecom, which is a state-owned company, to a foreign strategic equity partner, a telecom partner. So the, the market will dramatically be different the, than even than what it is today, let alone what it was two years ago when there was just one sole operator. The impact on that of the economy is very significant. Ethiopia, one of the pillars of the growth drivers that the country has identified is ICT. So they've, they've built an, an ICT industrial parks. They're, you know, as I said, they're very young, dynamic population. The median age is under 20, so very amenable to new technology. So this will help propel the the drive or the desire to build a very significant uh, I, I think in, in East in Kenya or in East Africa they call it Silicon Savannah I don't know in Ethiopia we call it something else eventually but so it helps it will help uh, contribute to the growth of the ICT sector but beyond that the opening up as we were talking about the financial sector is a big user beneficiary of a very efficient reliable uh, cost-effective uh, telecom sector. So that also, so all the stuff we you and I are talking about is integrate is is linked. You can't just see, you can't just look at the financial service sector without looking at the telecom sector because they're they're interlinked. There. On top of that, uh, there's a big uh, move towards mobile money, fintech. So Safaricom, for example, is coming now with Impesa, and the Ito Telecom also also has uh, introduced its version of. Uh, mobile money called Telebr, and they've already signed up in in one year, less than one year, something like twenty five or thirty million subscribers to their mobile money services. So you can see the transformation of the financial sector, not only in the traditional sense where you have bank branches and other things, but also fintechs like Mpesa and Telebr from Ito Telecom, very being being positive disruptors of these, the financial service sector in Ethiopia. So all these are very exciting things. As I said, it's a good time to be in Ethiopia as an investor. You see a lot of, I mean, where else would you see a new stock exchange being established? I mean, very few places in the world are today don't have stock markets. Ethiopia was one of the last ones. In fact, there's a study which shows that Ethiopia was the last country in the world with a GDP of this size that doesn't have a stock market anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, not just in Africa. So, this is why we're very excited, obviously, as a company that does business in Ethiopia, but also, I mean, I, I was born in Ethiopia, so I'm proud as an Ethiopian to start seeing these kinds of really dramatic changes in the Ethiopian economy. Does the entry of Safaricom accelerate the growth of fintechs in the Ethiopian economy? The short answer is absolutely yes. And let me tell you why. Um, not just the entry of Safaricom uh, or Ito Telecom now really act, really operating like a purely commercial operator, world-class operation. I mean, those really are contributors. But um, what you see, for example, there's a study that just came out from the Financial Times. Their FDI intelligence group uh, did a study. They benchmarked 100 cities around the world, which is the best city in the world, which are the best cities uh, to build data centers in the world. Number one was Beijing, but guess what? Number two was Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, out of 100 cities in the world. So, you know, these data centers, you know, they are needed by for transformation of uh, the financial service sector, the telecom sector, because they're very capital intensive. 
Addis Ababa was now number two in the world, preferred by companies that build data centers around the world. So, you know, the, the ecosystem is starting to be built. Safaricom is coming next year. Another, you know, could be MTN or somebody coming in and then someone buying in 40% of Etoro Telecom. All of a sudden, you, you've seen in other countries, this will then create um, the spillover effects of startups that feed or the provider services. The other thing, as I mentioned, Ethiopia now allows uh, private companies to go into the mobile money business, which was not pr- pr- allowed uh, until recently. Okay. So fintechs now have an opportunity to be incubated in Ethiopia, start here servicing 123 million people, but spill over into the region as well. So the echo, I have to admit, on, if you look at the VC funding for startups, they, they usually, the four or five usual suspects at the moment are on the radar screen in South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria. And then when you flip the page, the second tier at the moment, at the top end of the second tier, one of them is Ethiopia. But in the next couple of three years, I don't see any reason why I can't be in the top tier because these things are opening up. When you had a closed financial service sector, like banking, when you have a closed telecom, who would want to do startups in, in that kind of environment. But that is being changed. So that's why I think the question is valid. You know, is, it, is Ethiopia becoming attractive to a startup ecosystem? Absolutely, yes. We'll start to see more funding from the VC side uh, for startups. Okay. Uh, the talent is here. Uh, Ethiopia produces, I think, more college graduates than, than any other country in Africa, except maybe Nigeria. There was some study I've seen. So the talent is being produced is now can now be deployed to those kinds of, you know, uh, environments where startups flourish. The most attractive one is obviously the, the, the technology space, but we can see, you know, startups in, in other areas as well. So the answer to your question is absolutely yes. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast Banks can now charge for money transfers from accounts to mobile wallets and vice versa after the Central Bank of Kenya lifted the fee moratorium. A freeze on the transaction fee came in effect on the 16th of March 2020 as part of emergency measures to facilitate the use of mobile money at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Despite this coming as bad news to Kenyans when the inflation is at 9.5%, the Central Bank of Kenya says the new charges will be significantly lower than what was applied before. This is good news to banking institutions that have been calling for the regulator to lift the fees suspension to boost their revenues. In the new changes, the revised maximum charges for transfers from bank accounts to mobile money wallets will be cut by an average of up to 61% and mobile money wallet to bank accounts on average of up to 47%. Tariffs for pay bills that are used to collect and disperse funds by businesses, companies and institutions such as schools, utilities, on the other hand, will be reduced by an average of 50%. Foreign exchange reserves in South Africa increased to $59.8 billion in November of 2022 from $58.7 billion in the previous month. It's the largest amount of foreign exchange reserves since April, mainly due to increase in the US dollar gold price valuation adjustments due to the depreciation of the US dollar and asset price movements, which were partially offset by foreign exchange payments made on behalf of the government. The United Nations trade body is calling for firm interventions to address the debt 
crisis facing developing countries. According to the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, the global rate of debt accumulation is wearing. The UN body is concerned that government debt levels as a share of GDP increased in over 100 developing countries between 2019 and 2021. Speaking at the opening session of the ongoing 13th Debt Management Conference in Geneva, Switzerland, UNCTAD Secretary General Rebecca Crispan said the global rate of debt accumulation is alarming. The event, which ends on December 7th, takes place as a wave of global crises have led many developing countries to take on more debt to address the needs of their population. Excluding China, the increase in debt levels is estimated at about $2 trillion. Crispan said, with interest rates rising sharply, the debt crisis is putting enormous strain on public finances, especially in developing countries that need to invest in education, healthcare, their economies and adapting to climate change. UNCTAD is now advocating for creation of a multilateral legal framework for debt restructuring and relief. It says that such a framework is needed to facilitate timely and orderly debt crisis resolution with the involvement of all creditors building on debt reduction program dubbed the Common Framework by G20. Bank of Uganda kept its benchmark interest rate unchanged at 10% during its December 2022 meeting after raising it by 100 basis points in the previous meeting in October. The annual inflation rate in Uganda eased marginally to 10.6% in November from 10.7% in the previous month, but still holding close to 2012 highs. It's expected to continue falling to average between 6 to 8% next year before stabilizing around the medium-term target of 5% by the end of 2023. However, the central bank governor cautioned that inflation trends remained uncertain because of risks, including potential increases in commodity prices. He said the future policy moves should be measured and gradual. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial and you can find me at With Adon.